Welcome to the Un-American Football Show. I'm your host, Nate, and with a return to Norm, Alan and Ross are joining me once again. How are we, lads? Yeah, great. A bit tired after overtime last night, but yeah, good. I just about came out of Spurs alive, um, <laughs> with many, many, many plastic cups being thrown in the general direction of me, and it's not because I was Scottish, or I am Scottish, um, which is the most surprising development of the day, actually. Are you related to Neil Reynolds? Uh, no, not with this accent. Um, I could I could, I could, could put it on for maybe, and try and be a little bit posher, a little more posh sounding, but not today. I mean, maybe Neil's voice that we're familiar with, maybe, maybe he's putting that on. Maybe he actually is Scottish. If Neil Reynolds is from Glasgow, then I'll I'll do something. I'll do some sort of uh, punishment if that ever actually happens, because nobody from Glasgow behaves like that. So that'll be that'll be astounding. That's right. Just just make this next hour of the episode all about you, and you'll 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 make it seem like Neil Reynolds is here with us. I thought that's why um, I do it. I thought that's why I do it anyway. But. <laughs> right. Uh, so before we begin, just gonna 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 let everybody know that we've not been. Not been overly happy with the format of the show so far this season. I think we've been far too rigid and we've been attempting to sort of analyse every single game uh, or more or less every single game. I think in doing so, I, kind of, I think we kind of lost what made the show fun to do, fun to record, fun to put out there. Um, I think we might end up missing out on so much stuff that goes on over the week that we're, we're, we're going to return to the... Uh, the format we found was working really well for us towards the last and towards the end of last season, where we we we're going to ignore the shit and just mention the fun stuff, the good stuff. We'll talk about some of the bad stuff as well. Um, However, there is uh, one thing that's not going to be changing. <laughs> that was uh, so slick. Yeah, the smoothest transition you've ever seen in your life, um, <laughs> or listened to. But there's one thing that's not going to be changing, and we're still going to be going over the news because that's what's uh, that's what's important, and some of it's uh, fun to chat about. Um, so having said that, the first segment I've chosen is Cleveland Browns injuries, but uh, <laughs> always fun to chat about. But uh, no, injuries are never the most enjoyable subject to discuss, but they're very important, especially when it comes to somebody that a lot of people saw as a potential Super Bowl contender, I think, in the Cleveland Browns. I believe Allen had them as a Super Bowl pick um, in the preseason. So the Browns have suffered more than uh, most teams this year, and Monday's injury report listed another few injuries for them. Kareem Hunt and Jeremiah Oskoromoa are going to be out for at least a month. Um, and then the bigger injury is still a little bit of a mystery, and that's surrounding their QB, Baker Mayfield, who actually did the post-game press conference yesterday in a sling. Um, so his shoulder injury is a little bit of a mystery at this point. We don't know if he's going to be missing any more time. Same with Od- Odell Beckham Jr., who also has a sh- shoulder injury. Um, the Browns have missed Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry already this year. And I just kind of wonder, do you guys, like, is, are the Browns just becoming that team? Like, is this an indication? There's one every year where you have the, the you think they're going to be good, they think they're going to be good, they've got a good roster, and then suddenly three or four or five injuries, they just just derails their entire season. Um, the Browns seem like they're that, that that team this year. Yeah, they might be. I can think of lots of teams that are banged up and suffering with injuries, like the Giants, they're always injured, and the Eagles, they're always injured, but neither are any good. So uh, I'm probably struggling to think of another team that are, you know, people would put them in that sort of contender category and have been damaged as badly as the Browns have. I sort of felt like going into the season, you're right, I did predict them. It was more of a wild guess, really, that the Browns might make the Super Bowl than a prediction, really. Uh, but I do think they had a lot of the ingredients to get 
to the final dance. But a lot of those ingredients, they've either turned bad in storage since last year or they're injured, as you say. So, yeah, it's not looking good for them. And they're in a tough division, uh, despite the Steelers not being very good. I think, still think they're going to struggle to get out of the division now if they can't get some of these pieces back sooner rather than later. So, yeah, it's sad for them because they've been, they've been building over the last few years and it felt like this could be the year that they actually went a little bit further and actually, you know, it came to fruition. I'm not sure I agree that they're going to struggle to get out of the division. Um, other than Mayfield, obviously, which, you know, if he's out for the long haul, that is a problem. Um, but, like, the rest, even if even if they're sort of in and out and they have injury problems throughout the rest of the year, they should clear the division. Don't expect the Bengals are going to continue to win games <laughs> um they've been surprising in the way they've they've started the season and i wouldn't be so i would i would be surprised if that continued um i think uh yeah the Bra- the, the browns do look like they're becoming that team slightly i think i think, I think they might make it out of the out of the division on the wild cards they may miss out on it at all and entirely actually i think you might be right there, Alan, but I think um, I think it'll be. I think they'll come second in that division to the Ravens. Um, I don't think they'll lose out to Cincy. The big one uh, in this division, well, one of the big ones, I should say, <coughs> comes on seventh of November, which is Bengals Browns. Um, I think if if they're still really struggling with injuries, then and you've already mentioned Ross, they'll be without at least a couple of pieces then then that could be the sort of game that's going to swing it one way or another for the Bengals as to whether they're going to be able to get out of the division and sort of hit the wild card round. I'd be well, surprised if, if anyone other than the Ravens get out. Well, what makes the Browns' offence so good is having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt back there. Now, they just had the game with Nick Chubb, without Nick Chubb, and now Kareem Hunt's going to be out for at least a month, like we see. Um that's what makes the offense so good. That's what that's what they build off. And with both in, both running backs injured, even if it's minor injuries and only miss a few games, with running backs, I think we said before, if it's ankles and knees, two weeks back on the field isn't necessarily two weeks back at your best. Um, so I, I can see them struggling for a little while in the run game um, without Kareem Hunt and giving them that two-headed monster. And obviously, as we say, Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's the quarterback, right? That's the guy. I don't trust Case Keenum to come in and lead this team to uh, prolong success, even if it's only if it's over a couple of games, maybe. But when you've got the Denver Broncos up next, uh, it's a good defense there. I don't trust Case Keenum against them. It's They're good not defense. playing nearly as good as they should be, though, are they, either? I agree. I think it's a very winnable game with Case Keenum yeah. as your quarterback. I think it's a very winnable game. It's also the kind of game that you, you can, you're can. you very, very, very confident with Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. Case Keenum basically makes it a 50-50 proposition, I would say. But a winnable game still. Pittsburgh Steelers next. That's another divisional game. And then, as Alan said, they've got the Cincinnati Bengals after that. It's a couple of tough divisional games coming up that you're going to have to win and they're going to have to get back on track soon um, without Baker Mayfield or with them. Yeah, I agree. That silence is damning. Move it on. Okay, and moving on, I guess we've done talking about the Browns for now. Um, the other news that's come out just this weekend, actually just before the weekend slate of games, uh, was that the former league MVP, Superman himself, uh, Cam Newton, is now officially vaccinated. He was one of the more public uh, 
unvaccinated quarterbacks going around in the league in the preseason. And there's a lot of speculation as to whether that was the reason he actually was cut by the New England Patriots. Personally, I just think it's because he was a it bad was. quarterback. Personally, I just think he's a bad quarterback at this point. But, um, but with him now being vaccinated, is that an indication that he could be signing with a team potentially? Because that now, with, now that he's vaccinated, he doesn't have to go through the five-day process of uh, becoming isolated before you're allowed to practice with a team, um, as the unvaccinated players have to do, free agent signings. Um, now he can sign for a team and can practice immediately. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, 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 the Seahawks, the Seahawks. Um, Quite fitting, really. Yeah, at this point in the season, I guess uh, the way they're going. Um, they're one of the teams that are heavily linked with Newton, obviously, with Russell Wilson's injuries uh, and Geno Smith's displays in relief. Um, so it's a bit of a wild card at this stage of his career, Cam Newton. Um, but A, would he make Seattle better? And B, do you think he actually has something left in the tank at this point? No, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like Cam. I think, you know, he's a flamboyant character. I think he's good for the league. But I just don't understand why anyone would take him on because I don't think he's at the level anymore where he could actually generate more wins than probably he costs you, Case right? Keenum like, since we're talking about Case Keenum I'm just saying I think Case Keenum has got more wins in him than Cam Newton uh, Andy Dalton it's, it's the same to be honest and let's go get Jay Cutler you, you, <laughs> I mean at times Jay wasn't that bad but um yeah, uh, but you wouldn't. So you can't hire him because you think that he's going to get you wins. But then, you, why would you hire him if you're tanking anyway? So I just don't understand his role. He, he's sort of like a poor backup, and most teams have already got a poor backup. Is there a space for him in the league right now? As a starter, no. As a backup, maybe. I think so. As a backup, I think really, I do. I really do think as a backup, there's a as a spot for Cam Newton. I don't think there's 32 backup quarterbacks better than Cam Newton in the league right now. And it's whether you accept the all the personality that comes with them, but I think that's all kind of overblown in the media, in my opinion. Um, I think he'll uh, go in. I think I see from him is annoying. To be honest, every time I see him on talking, I just think you're such a knob. What you'd need, the, the role that he would fit is that you would pray that he's got something still left in the tank. And the teams that should be interested are the teams that are fearful of losing their star quarterback for a while. So you'd need to look Here at Here we go. Who, uh, not just the Cowboys. Because uh, I thought, I thought you were going to say the Colts. Can you even, I thought you were going to straight oh, away no, go the They're Colts. not winning. They're not winning. So <laughs> why would they bother? They won last money? night. Oh. Well, well done. Against the Houston Texans, spoilers for anyone that's not heard. Um, I mean, they didn't just win; yeah. they annihilated them. The only team, yeah, only team did. to do so this season as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think you'd be looking at someone like Arizona, uh, or because I can't tell you who their backup is. The Cowboys, you guys probably don't know who their backup is. I do, but I wouldn't expect you guys to because he's a nobody. Um, you'd be looking at. Some of the teams that are, I mean, who's who's behind Tom Brady? It's a very good question. I don't know off the top of my head a lot of the backup quarterbacks, and I'm going to have to go look at a list. They draft, they draft, they drafted one, didn't they? Carla Trask, Trask, Trask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's not going to be ready. Arizona backup quarterback, Colt McCoy. Oh, Uh, he's actually living legend, Colt McCoy. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but 
Um, yeah, you'd have to look at some of those teams that probably already got four or five wins already or more. They'd be the only ones really that should be interested. The Seahawks, I don't get it. He's not going to turn around. What about the Steelers? Season. It's done. They're, they're, he might be better than Big Ben. Three and three. It would be the final nail in the coffin for Big Ben, I think. I think I that, would, that I would, would sour I would. that relationship for the next 10 years, I think. I'd rather have I'd actually yeah. rather have Cam than Big Ben. What a style clash that is. <laughs> Big Ben and Cam Newton. And I'd definitely rather have Cam than um, Dwayne Haskins. Cam's only 31. This is the thing as well. Like yeah, it's... Dwayne, but that's more because Dwayne Haskins is more of a knobhead than Cam Newton is. Like. Also accurate. It's, it's not high praise for either of them. Also accurate, but Dwayne Haskins is still only like 24. I really do think Mike Tomlin believes he can turn him around and make him a professional, even if not a star. I'd have... I'd commit more time to Haskins than I would Cam Newton. Even even if you even if they lose, they've got a Steelers got a bye week next week. If they lose week eight, do you go? Let's just try something different. Try and save things because you'll be three and four at that stage. Do you go? Let's change it up. Let's let, let's go with something else. And just had Dwayne Haskins the direction you go immediately. I think Pittsburgh as an organization would be too scared to do that to Big Ben. And sour that relationship, Brett Favre, Green Bay Packers style, because yeah. uh, that would be that would be Big Ben can hold a grudge better than anybody else in the, in the league just about I think, uh, and I don't think they would do that to be too honest. Uh, the one thing, the one team you're thinking about who got off the three wins early was Denver, and Teddy B and Drew Lock have been awful. God awful to watch the last three weeks. So again, similar to your your point, Nate, like <coughs> if if a wild card. You got off to the good start. You got your three wins. The wild card spot is not going to take that many wins to get to. It might take nine wins, ten wins. Nine or ten, yeah. Why not? Why not just give Cam Newton a go? Like at that point, you know. It's... I think he, I think he fits Denver as well, doesn't he? Because I think he just slot in there, and the chaos would continue. Like, like Denver, Denver just seems to be a shit show behind the scenes. And I think Cam Newton would go in there and just continue, continue the chaos. I think he would just muddy the waters further in Denver. They sort of didn't really know who they wanted to be their starting quarterback, and I, th- I mean, I think they chose. Yeah, they definitely the chose correct, correct, two right? bad options. But I think the last thing they need is you know a third musketeer in there just causing absolute carnage in the QB ring. But I think uh, just to be the final point, I guess I do think with Cam Newton there going in there, the, it's clear it's made it clear obviously that for the first six weeks that Teddy B and Drew Lock probably won't be in Denver next year. So who are you really pissing off? Like, who, who does it matter if you piss them off and, and bring them in and muddy the waters a little bit? You're trying to win. Um, Vic Fangio's fighting for his job. New GM yeah. in there. Are you assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be quarterback there next year? I'm not assuming Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback. I'm assuming there's definitely not going to be Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. <laughs> Whatever they oh, decide to do, whether it's through God. the draft or signing someone if it's else. Not, if it's not Rodgers or they say, God, oh, who is it going to be? Jesus Christ. It's a good question. Um, yeah, but let's 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 wrap up the news. That's the first we've allotted ten minutes for the news every every week so far, and that's the first time we've made it past like three minutes of news. I like the new format; it's, <laughs> it's a bit more freeform. Um, right, next up uh, is another new, another well, not another new thing. The first new thing of our um, of our new format. Um, 
we are we, we're going to challenge ourselves each week to sum up the week in 60 seconds um so uh literally oh i haven't i haven't really prepared this at all i'll do a countdown timer on my phone uh for this week and uh <laughs> that will have to do um uh, but yeah like we'll talk about the we'll talk about the week in more depth later but uh at the first uh oh hang on sorry yeah that'd be uh at the, at the first portal call our first effort let's uh let's give it to alan so alan are you ready uh, as ready as i'll ever be um <laughs> you are yeah maybe maybe too much okay your time your time starts now okay so zaka scored a touchdown in the loss versus the bucks on thursday far too good for the philadelphia eagles in 2021 so they shipped him out to arizona first thing they could do uh back in london Tua couldn't keep the vin- the fins afloat against the jags They've now broken their 20-game losing streak. If they're not careful, they're going to end up with a mild long-term. They need to think about what they're really doing. And, uh, uh, the Texans, the Chargers, the Giants, the football team, the Lions and the Browns all got absolutely embarrassed on Sunday. All of them losing by more than 23 points, or at least 23 points. Uh, the Colts, Bengals, Chiefs, Rams, Ravens and the undefeated Cardinals being the victors in those games. Early on, the Panthers and the Broncos were undefeated, but they can't buy a win now. And meanwhile, the Raiders, who started my without John Gruden, started with a win, which uh, you know that probably overshadows a lot of the chaos over the last week. <laughs> I can't be a minute. Oh, held it up, mate! It's a minute. All right, you well, shut, I'm not finished. You shut, I'm it, there. You shut the bed. <laughs> uh, go on, go on. Can I finish off? Well, I, I, I padded it out a bit because I thought uh, it's not long enough. Um, <laughs> the Packers beat the Bears to maintain the upper hand in their rivalry, and C.D. Lamb waved goodbye to the Patriots in overtime. Later on, the Steelers could beat the chefless Seahawks, but Jamal Adams got hit in the face with the ball. It was a beautiful thing. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And that was the week in football. <laughs> I thought you were saying that was the week in 60 seconds, but I'm glad that you both said football in seconds. That was the week. Well, it wasn't in 60 seconds. <laughs> that was the week in 83 seconds. 83 is a good start. Uh, I'm always you late. You are always late. That, that is very true. You are always late. So, um, so that's why I thought. Good, good effort. Um, but not good enough. <laughs> um, right. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start uh, the main, the main meaty subject of our, uh, of our discussion of the football this week. Um, of dacking hell. Um, Carl Brandt uh, on Good Morning Football this morning described Dak's game as the best performance uh, that he's given as a cowboy. Uh, he also said he also said uh, that um, Dak is much better than Tony Romo ever was, um, and he's also he he doesn't want to compare Dak to Aikman and stuff because you know the game's completely different now, and it would be unfair to do so. But he thinks. Uh, thinks he's he's basically in the modern era of the game he's their best the best quarterback they've had certainly in his lifetime quote quote unquote um it was a historic dead game uh, statistically Dak put up the most yards versus the Pats in the Belichick era with 445 
beating out Peyton Manning's uh, 438 in uh, 2014 and Matty Ice's 421 uh, in 2013. Interestingly, Chad Henney had the third, until until this beginning, had the third uh, most yards in the Belichick era against the Pats with 416 for the Dolphins. Um, that, that probably tickled me when they showed, the, showed that. Um, the Cowboys are probably locked up the NFC East now. Um, in just six weeks, as uh, the rest of the division are carrying losing records and they're playing like shit to boot. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think. I think it was. I, I think it was a bit hyperbolic. You know, when 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 you have a quarterback put up that many numbers of you that many yards and play well, you kind of ignore the fact that maybe they went to sleep for a quarter or sometimes more. You know, they, if they if they like like Mahomes had a dreadful first half and then went a bit silly in the second half. Not many people talk about that now. I think it's. I think it's. It was a little bit of hyperbole, for sure, from uh, Mr. Brand, as he's wont to do. He's not. Uh, <laughs> he does like to get a bit excited. <laughs> well, I've been caught off guard by us talking about this first. Um, I mean, I'm more than happy to talk about it first, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought Dak had a good game. I think over the years, one of the things that's become his strengths, people used to talk about his leadership being a really important factor. Um, and I think over the years, as he's played more and more, he's just becoming better and better at reading defences, understanding what the, the defence is looking like. And he's not the most gifted passer of the ball. He's not the most athletic. He's sort of... B plus, A minus probably across the board in a lot of his credentials. And I think with the intelligence side of his game coming out this year in particular, I think that's sort of giving him that extra little bit of lift. So, yeah, I mean, the Patriots, they game planned well against the Cowboys. They tried to really minimise the run, which is what they've been doing a lot of in the previous weeks. I'm not saying that there was no points of um, effectiveness from Zeke or Tony Pollard, but not to the same level they have done in previous weeks. So, I mean, I'm more than happy to let Dak air out and see CD and, you know, who I think is now completely overtaken, Amari Cooper is the number one. I thought that was going to happen at some point, but it seems to have happened already. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, it was a horrifying game to watch if you're a fan of either of those teams. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I've come home. Well, I didn't come home happy because I was already at home, but I was happy. no one would have me at like one o'clock in the morning when it finished. But yeah, yeah, and I think I was so exhausted from the emotion of like the game that I normally I'm a bit like I can't sleep now. But I was just absolutely floored by it because it was that fourth quarter in particular. There was three touchdowns within something like four minutes of play, there was two touchdowns within 16 seconds when um, Trayvon Diggs got the pick six, 
which Ross was celebrating around his house. I genuinely I never have celebrated a Dallas Cowboys touchdown more in my life because I was just thought it was <laughs> insane game of football to watch in the fourth quarter. I think we've undersold it at this point just how insane the fourth quarter was. Um, mm. I think Dallas went up 20-14 to 14 with a field goal in Milan. I was like, okay, let's see what Matt Jones has got now. The, the rookie quarterback for the Patriots, one of the biggest games of the week. And then he just leads the Patriots down a 6-minute 50, 13-play, uh, 75-yard touchdown drive. Like, easy as you like. Cowboys defense needs to step up at that point, in my opinion. But no matter, because uh, after Greg Zerline misses a field goal to take the lead uh, again for the Cowboys, uh, Trevon Diggs bails out Greg Zerline uh, with that interception touchdown return when it looked like the Pats, with like three minutes just to drain the clock, could just run it out. Um, instead, they end up throwing the ball. Jones throws a kind of blind pass into the middle of the field and digs, uh, the ball's tipped up in the air, digs intercepts it and just so shows his athleticism uh, on the return. Unreal play. I think he's having a very, very, very special season that you don't see from defensive backs all that often. Look at his smug little face. I, I've never, I've never experienced a, that's the, that's the first time. Is this what it feels that, like? That's the first time I can say that. It is, it, yeah, it is nice to see, see your, one of your defenders stepping up and suddenly making a... The strange thing is that people would normally it's, say it's that Demarcus Lawrence is our best defender, and he has been for a number of years, but he's been out like since week one. So it'll be interesting to yeah. see what the defence can, if he can strengthen even more when he's back. But sorry, Ross, I completely interrupted you. No, I was just going like, seven picks in six games is truly like unreal. Like, I don't know the last time has that ever happened in the NFL. I think we need to look uh, it up. To it see. has. 1993, it was a Steelers player. Because I saw something on it this morning, but I can't remember the name of the guy. People said he was like a an all time great, but I can't remember the name. So um, they say uh, it's a defense. We'll look it up. Could be like Mel. Sorry, before yeah, exactly. Time, we'll, well, we'll you. Before Ross's you've, time. you've got you've got some stats. You've got some stats. Oh yeah, so Trayvon Diggs. He's that you wanted that you would that yeah, you wanted to drop. Trayvon Diggs so, has now uh, got as many touchdowns as any single Eagles player, and has more than any single. Giants player so far this season, which is pretty embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, they they see teams absolutely blow trend. Yeah, they do. They're truly dreadful. And we should say, and then after the digs interception, the very next play is the one yard, seventy five yard touchdown pass from Matt Jones uh, to Kendrick Warren, was it? And what? Yeah, yeah. He he did a really slick double move right in the middle of the field, just like just disappeared between two live between two backs and just gone. It was it was a very it's very a, nice catch. It was, but it was the safety's fault. Yes, I was about to say. I think Diggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it wasn't. But like the way he's the way he escaped, he's, he's still got. He still got to put the move on to get away. Hundred percent. Like he, he he did beat Diggs on the plate, and what it should have been was like a maybe a 15, 20 yard in route. Uh, reception that that would have been it. However, that might not have been the best thing for Dallas if that had happened because that would have just uh, had New England marching. Um, and instead, yeah, it taken time. Take uh, instead of, uh, but they scored very very quickly. They scored in 16 seconds, and that gave Dallas more time to come back and get the field goal to take it into overtime. So, um, anyway, it was still incredible to watch. I, w- I was just confused, bemused, uh, amazed, shocked, horrified. I didn't even care about either of these teams. I think that's something that the NFL can do to you. Even when it's not your team's watching, you can still um, be amazed by some of the games that we see. 
it was a bizarre game. Matt Jones didn't have an incomplete pass until midway through the third quarter. But he'd only thrown 11 times. And the Cowboys won this in overtime, but they had over 200 yard, more yards of offense. More yeah, like, more it's, like it's 25 weird, it's, it's more weird, first downs. It's very weird. It, yeah. The Cowboys did everything they could to lose this game. I was watching this thinking, if this is the game where everything goes wrong and we lose it, I'll be like, okay, it's going to happen at some point. And previous years, they never would have won this. So, um, I'd have been fuming if it was you did, did it to the Pats. Like, if you do it to anybody else, I don't care. But like, you've done it. You didn't do it to the Pats. So. Connor Williams also did his best to lose the game. He had a holding, multiple holding penalties, and an unsportsman, unsportsmanlike conduct. All <laughs> exactly, all in the fourth. So he tapped on like fifty yes. yards of. Uh, penalties and overall Cowboys had like 130 Stupid, yards or something, 125 yards in penalties. So it, it's um, Is that more than Mac Jones managed himself? Yeah, at one point they were third and 13 or second and 25 or something on that game winning drive. Uh, so it, it was ridiculous. Or maybe it was game levelling. But yeah, it, it was a cracking game for any football fan, anyone I think would enjoy it. I think Nick nailed the exact amount of points that the Cowboys were going to score. Um, off the, off the, pre- no. off the, the preview show, I think we said we would re- reward you another point if you uh, got the exact amount of Cowboys points scored, and I think you said 35. Off the top of my head, we'd have to check the tape. Um, <laughs> but we can, we can roll it back um, and see if I'm right on that one, because I think... Uh, oh, mate, that's... Yeah. Well, you know, I like the, I, I believe in bringing everything full circle and making sure that we connect the two shows. Uh, and uh, the only accurate dis- prediction of the season I've made so far. I'll start I, was say, we, I thought you were going to say we believe in charity. Really. <laughs> <laughs> that as well. Yeah, I'm I am lagging behind a little bit. Um, uh, let's 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 move on from that because I'm uh, I've had enough of Alan, quite frankly, being smug about the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Ross, you've, you've got something you wanted to. Yeah, I think I don't know if we're actually becoming the like, Arizona Cardinals podcast, or if it's actually just me that talks about them every week. Because uh, I've realised I think it's definitely me that puts them down as the bullet points uh, on the on the notes every week. But regardless, uh, we mentioned it last week that the sign of a, a good team is sometimes when you can win without playing at your best. Um, and that's what the the Cardinals did last week, even though the Kyler Murray struggled and the 49ers contained him. Um, the defense bailed him out, and they only meant Murray had to go on two good scoring drives to win the game. So um, they kept winning. Um, another sign of a good team is when you demolish a playoff team from last year, and that's what the Arizona Cardinals did to the Cleveland Browns, uh, winning 37-14 uh, over the weekend. They raced out to a 20 to zip lead as well in the first half, and the Browns wouldn't have been in the game at all if it weren't for a hail mary at the end of the first half, which I always love a good hail mary, um, probably one of the more exciting plays in football. But that's really the only thing that kept the Browns in the game. They were blown out of the water the, in all phases of the game uh, for all four quarters, aside from that play, basically. Um, Murray played well again and didn't have and didn't actually have to rely on his legs to win. He had four passing TDs. I think he had less than 10 rushing yards. I think that's a really good sign for a Cardinals fan. Um, and in the second half, the defense completely shut the door, forcing the Browns into the following second half drives. They had to punt. They fumbled the ball. And there was two turnovers on downs. That was it. Um, they didn't have any more offensive drives because the Cardinals were so efficient and effective in draining the clock um, and getting the ball back. 
and looking at their schedule, the Cardinals are now 6 0. I fancy them in a lot of their upcoming games. They take on the Texans. W. There's a big one at home to the Packers, which is going to be a, a really good game, but they're at home. Um, and I don't think the Packers have been special so far. Then they have the 49ers and the Seahawks, who are very winnable games. So I just wonder how long they're going to keep this unbeaten run going. Yeah, I think they can hit 10, if that's the schedule. If that's the schedule. I, I Yeah, I love, the, I love the Cardinals. I think they're looking like a really good outfit. Their offense is really exciting. Got lots of playmakers. You know, players, young players like Rondell Moore, even Christian Kirk, who I thought was probably just going to fade away after sort of flashing at points in previous years. He's really stepping up. Zach Ertz in town replacing Max Williams. He's got, okay, he's getting older, but he's got pedigree. I think on offense, they're really exciting. On defense, they've been a lot, lot better than they have in previous years as well. So, yeah, it's all just sort of coming together for the Cardinals. Um, I just hope that things like Carlo Murray's been struggling a little bit with an injury. If he can keep him healthy, I think that's the reason why you see him rushing less and less at the moment. Just trying to keep him as healthy as possible. Although, didn't he have four fumbles in this game? Is that right? It was, it was something like that. It, it, his ball security wasn't uh, at its best, to be fair. School of Daniel yeah, Jones? Yeah, yeah, the school of Daniel Jones quarterbacking. I don't think anybody should be reading those textbooks. Uh, anytime soon but yes there's still flaws in their game and I think that an in- any injury to Kyler Murray is kind of what hindered them last year um, I think they had a good start again last year they were right in the running for the wild card Kyler Murray there was a lot of MVP talk around him and then he had the shoulder injury and they struggled to throw the ball the rest of the year um, that's exactly the thing they don't need but this defense is so much better than they like you said that it's been a little bit better it's been so much better I think they're 12th in uh, yards per game at this point and that's vastly improved than what they've been in recent years. And that, they're doing that without their best pass rusher, arguably, Jack Chandler-Jones, who's uh, missed this game and didn't play well the last couple of weeks. Um, I just think they, they have a lot going for them. There's always that one team every year that kind of surprises everybody and just gets hot really early. They just go on that streak um, where things just come together at the right time for them. And this Cliff Kingsbury offense that's been called into question a lot over the last few years um, – they're suddenly firing on all cylinders, um, and I think that's uh, exciting to see. Yeah, you sort of take the words out of my mouth there. I was going to say it's probably a relief for Cliff Kingsbury because he was getting on a pretty hot seat if it wasn't starting to click, and no one's going to be saying he's on the hot seat now, are they? Uh, yeah, no, I think um, I think it's safe to say that uh, the... Uh, the... Cardinals are the tough team, um, the tough show team, rather. Um, I really like them too. I, I said, I told Alan last week uh, on our way to the uh, the Spurs game that they would absolutely be my team if I hadn't already picked the Colts. Um, fun the, this this offense, we should again it shouldn't be understated how fun they are to watch because they have such a little gaggle of receivers that are do the like play so differently. Um, you have DeAndre Hopkins, your true stud number one receiver, and that would usually be enough for any room. Um, but AJ Green's actually played really well. Um, uh, he's, weird, isn't it? From my bench. Well, coming back out of uh, what felt like retirement for AJ Green over the last couple of years because we've barely seen him on the field. Um, 
he's now playing really, really well. He got he was the leading receiver on Sunday, uh, five receptions, seventy nine yards, and a TD. When you got a, a room of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk's no like bad receiver as well. Well, Hopkins and Kirk both had really good games as well. I mean that that I think it was I think it was the Cardinals' last last touchdown where Kyler found um, Hopkins in the end zone with no one even in the same area code as him. Like it's absolutely. So you've got Kirk and then Rondell Mirror is the, the new guy on the block and he's just explosive. He had another good game as well. Um, even the tight end, Max Williams, I think actually just went on IR. He's been playing well too and he's not exactly the, the league's biggest household name. Um, but so it's just a really fun team to watch at the moment and um, I really hope to keep it going because it's um, kind of a breath of fresh air for the Cardinals to do well in the NFC West because we're kind of we've been used to the Rams. The Seahawks are always good. Um, and the Cardinals haven't been good for a few years, so. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of very good points. I want, I want to, I want to quickly say something more on the Seahawks game. We covered it more, more a lot earlier than I thought we were going to, but I want to say, I'll, I'll cut down what I was going to say, but just a couple of things. Geno Smith, who broke Russ's 144 game streak, was quarterback that uh, broke Eli Manning's streak as well. Yeah, Weird. talk about being in the right place at the right time. Um, he's a streak breaker. He's a streak breaker. Um, but you know, you'd assume that someone, someone else, is probably going to end up breaking his streak of just playing this year because surely it's not going to last. I think it's more accurately. Um, I think he's more he's accurately in the wrong place at the wrong time um, for NFL history. <laughs> not to want to see those kind of uh, records broken. Um, because I think the Eli Manning one yeah. especially was it's just he was just benched for no apparent reason. He was just benched. Was they just wanted just to benched, yeah. um, grade Geno Smith in one game in a Week 17 game, which was effectively ended yeah. the career of, uh, I forget the coach it was at the time, but Ben McAdoo, I think it was. Um, basically ended his coaching career. Yeah. Um, also, just going just to touch on the fact that uh, DK Metcalf's an arsehole, isn't he? You can tell him that, though. You can tell him that to his face, though. Fuck, Joe, yeah, I'll tell him he's an arsehole. He is an arsehole. He just, I don't know, just the way he plays the game, the way he does everything, the way Andy sir handles himself in the media and everything. I think you are annoying. I think, I think he plays on the edge. I think he's one of those guys that needs to get himself ramped up before a game, um, and he needs to hate the opposition before he goes out there. So he is, there's a reason that Colm had him as our uh, WWE superstar in the preview show. Because he just he, he likes to rile up the opposition. He likes to get up in their face. And if I was six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds, I wouldn't mind doing it myself either. He's not the smartest though. <laughs> like, 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 I think yeah, I think he took like, that worse than me calling him a prick. To be honest, I'm not sure. Well, I've got a reason to back it up. In the game last night, yeah, the Seahawks were trying to kill the clock get move the ball down as far as they can and get into field goal range. And they're asking about 13 16, seconds on the clock. Six, he receives 16 the ball. seconds on the clock. He receives the ball right, right on the touchline and then on and the touchline, marked by two guys. To run it. Could have just stepped out, runs in, gets tackled. Fumbles. Ball comes out. He's able to recover it. Yeah, someone else like, recovered it. That, oh, someone else recovered it. That should have been the game. Yeah. They didn't deserve to get the ball back. And in the end, they forced yeah. overtime. 
which the Steelers were they're left, left them anyway. five seconds but, to get a snap to recover, re- reassemble, get a snap off, and spike it. Let's, yeah, but they didn't deserve it no, because he was no, an idiot. They spiked the ball with one second on the clock, uh, and obviously Mike Tim, uh, Tomlin was very unhappy with it. Said it was embarrassing that that situation happened. But they won yeah. in the end, so he'll be. How good is uh, TJ Watt, by the way? That strip sack was, yeah, was so good. He was basically, I think the, yeah. the Collinsworth covered it fairly well on the commentary. He said he was basically blocked out the play by three players and he just kept hustling um, and just yeah. found the perfect angle to Smith to knock the ball out. He was holding it. like It looked like he had it covered. Like He had the ball in two hands. He was looking around. He was, the ball seemed fairly secure. And just TJ Watt just hit, got his fist right on the, on, the, on the nose of the football to force it out. Such a good play. Such a good player. Yeah. Worth the money, maybe. Yeah. I'm the best <laughs> in the country. Set, set the ball that's in it. Can't get. Can't even set the ball that's yeah. going right. Oh, was it? Was it? I'm the best in the nation. Best he's, in the nation. Yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys were going to trade for him, and they, the Jets wanted two first-round picks, and they said no. I'm so glad they did because now, like, well, I think I... the safety room in ours is like a, the million. There's three safeties playing for the Cowboys, and the guaranteed money is a million dollars total. Yeah, I think I think um, I think Mike in our Discord is is probably right, and you don't you don't just become a bad player overnight. Like, I think there are scheme issues with the scheme and 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 whatever there, but he's he's all he is also not playing. Anywhere near his potential, um, and it's not not even really potential, is it? Like he's not playing anywhere near his ceiling. We know how well he can play. He's not he's not achieving that at the moment. Some of it's on him, but I think some of it can be some of it can be attributed to the fact that there's a scheme issue with the scheme. He's not he's not fitting in now very well. Clearly, yeah. It's, I mean, he's been good in the past, but yeah, he, he, I don't know if he's lost a step as well. So I think. Some players, sometimes it looks like they're really good when they're athletic enough to cover their mistakes. I wonder if time might have caught up with him a little bit. But he's not that old, so it would be strange. But, you know, players peak at different times, right? I think the big miss in Seattle is the the cornerback who's left, who's in Jacksonville now, Shaq Griffin. I think he covered um, for a lot of Jamal Adams' issues in coverage uh, in the past game last year. Because Shaq Griffin basically would shut down one side of the, the field and he was very, very underrated as cornerback, I think, in Seattle. Um, and now Adams is playing with less good cornerbacks, it has to be said. They've, they've been releasing cornerbacks left, right and centre in the last couple of weeks and they still can't find guys to fill the position that are any good. Um, all his mistakes and his weaknesses are showing tenfold now. Um, and it's a real shame because I think he is a good player and I think when he's used correctly and he's got other good players around him, he, he's a... Uh, a really, really good player, but that's the that's the thing is you don't play somebody who isn't a star that kind of money um, that they, they they're paying him, and you don't give up, you don't mortgage your future, the draft capital for this kind of player. Uh, that's that's not what that's not what the system is uh, designed to to do. Yeah, I wouldn't pay a safety that much money. That's all I would say. It's just 
No. <laughs> you, you want you want a safety that's good enough to do a job. If you want, you don't want to go. Here's our superstars on this team. We've got a really good safety. Uh, okay. Great. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame for Seattle though as well because that's the that's the team in the last ten years in the Pete Carroll era that's supposed to have the good defense. That's what you're supposed to build around. I just don't mm. understand how such a, a team that's been so shrewd in their signings in the past have been so bad in developing players in the past, you know, three or four years. It's Russell Wilson's covered over a lot of the cracks, and now without him, I think you're just seeing how bad this this team really is. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about the Chargers Ravens? Oh, I was just going to ask, is this the end of the Pete Carroll era? Oh. Well, so we saw no, the Seahawks not. fan in our Discord chat today was saying that um, Carroll looks like he's going to be fired. And I I don't know if, what sources he's got. I don't know if I trust the sources. He, to be fair to him, he did also say, oh, no, that's no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure he would believe I, it but I, yeah, I, I do. I don't necessarily think it's out of the realms of possibility. He's the oldest coach in the league. If they if this is if they need the excuse to get rid of them, losing Russell Wilson to injury and then botting him out at like four four wins five wins, this is the year to get rid of them and completely blow it up. I think. Um, so if you're gonna if you're gonna do it and you're gonna stick with Wilson as your quarterback and you think you need a change, the coach has to be the one to to go. Yeah, and and there's already there's a there's a, there's a there's a very viable replacement in Eric Bieniemy just waiting to be picked up as well, isn't there? Yeah, and that's, that's probably exactly the kind of coach that Russell Wilson needs because they've tried other things. They've tried, they've, they've brought in the new yeah, offensive yeah. coordinators. They've, they've tried changing defensive coordinators. They've brought in new players. They've tried bringing in the star defensive player and Jamal Adams to try and get the defense back up. They've made trades. It's not like they've not been trying to change things, but maybe it's the figureheads that have to change. And when you're paying Russell Wilson the kind of money you're paying him, and he is top five quarterback in the league, is Pete Carroll a top five coach in the league anymore? Fuck no. Arguably not, I'll say. But I think if you're going to change it, this is the this is a perfect excuse to change it because, as you say, it looks like they're going to be bad. It looks like they're going to be below eight wins, and um, Pete Carroll might be out the door. That's that, that's a topic for another time, isn't it? Ranking our top ten coaches. In the I'll league. go I'll go one through thirty two with well, you if you, if you want. <laughs> oh, I know you will. <laughs> I'm interested to know who your 32 is now that John Gruden's been booted, but it's probably probably over Meyer. Yeah, that? it's pretty. He's, uh, yeah, he's uh, really close to it. I'll tell you two of my favourite yeah. coaches in the league right now, though, are Brandon Staley and John Harbaugh. Um, Talk, talking talking which that's a much smoother segue. Yeah, had a great game. A much sm- that was a good. That, that was <laughs> thank you, thank you. Segue, it's, yeah. uh, professional, professional in the in the show. No, but. Yeah, well. uh, <laughs> the Chargers, I think, came back crashing to earth this weekend because that uh, Ravens demolition job um, was an absolute shit show for the Chargers um, and probably shows where the Chargers are truly at. Uh, they're not 100% well-drilled superpower team just yet. It was a real reminder that uh, they're just not that team yet. They still have the, the down game in them, and hopefully they're trying to mitigate that. I mean, obviously everyone's trying to mitigate that, but I think it's they're going to happen less with the good coaching staff and the good quarterback and Justin Herbert they got there. It's a good team, but it's still in there. And you can't afford this kind of thing uh, come the postseason if that's where the Chargers are headed. So it was good, probably a good stock take for them, um, but only scoring six points against the Ravens, who haven't been dominant at all this season so far. They've been scraping through wins. Um, 
And this is the first time we've seen that Ravens defense really dominate a game, even though Lamar Jackson didn't play particularly well. Um, so it's scary to see if the Ravens can build from here, to be honest, and truly become that uh, superpower team that we know they have been over the last couple of years, or if this is a, a bit of a mirage fixture. Yeah, the um, uh, the uh, interesting stat coming out of the uh, that, that game is that uh, the Ravens are the first team to ever, ever, have three quarterbacks that have 1,000 rushing yard games, uh, sorry, seasons, um, score a touchdown in a single game. We've got some good stats on this show. Can we call this a stats show or something? Like a stats episode. Alan doesn't look like he believes us. (laughs) I think he's trying to work it out still. I'm not sure I understood what the stat was. So they're the first team that have got... To ever. To ever have... Uh, a game where three 1,000 rushing yard oh. uh, running backs have scored a touchdown. And right, the, yeah, the, best, the best thing is is that need none of those 1,000 uh, rushing yard seasons have been for the Ravens. Yeah. And? Okay, yeah, I can believe that. The, th- the three-headed um, pussycats, whatever yeah. they called them last, yeah. last week. Apparently, they've been filled, apparently, the Ravens have been filled in trade offers for... Each one of them. I mean, maybe not Lev Bell, but the other two. Well, they're super cheap, right? So they'll be on one-year veteran. Yeah. You'd assume so. You'd, you'd assume so. But, like, I just think that's weird. They'll be on one-year veteran minimum deals. And if they've got any running backs returning, uh, then I guess it makes sense why you'd yeah. be fielding some offers yeah. for maybe maybe contenders. But the same, because Devontae Freeman's looked really good. He went nine carries for 53 yards, but Lev Bell mm-hmm. less so. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've always rated Latavius Murray uh, over the years. Yeah, over the years, Funny I that. actually think he's uh, he's not your three yards in a cloud of dust that he used to be in the Vikings. I think with the Saints, he actually was pretty good. <laughs> he was a really good replacement for Mark Ingram for a couple of years, but probably a little bit past the time. But he's, he's been playing okay for the for the Ravens. But I just think it was sure. Lamar Jackson really didn't play well in this game. His line was 19 for 27, 167 yards, one TD, and two interceptions. Um, Nine for twenty-seven. Oh right, okay. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, the yards of Justin Nine would have been. <laughs> yeah, that, that, some explosive plays. Well, yeah, it's like Jabez Winston esque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That um, there was there was one particularly embarrassing, like truly embarrassing t- uh, interception, wasn't there? Um, I just don't, I don't know what he. I just, watch the replay over and over again. I just don't know what he sees. No, I don't know. I think um, it's, it, it should be worrying for the Ravens. Like you, you come out of this game with thirty-four-six, and your quarterback didn't play well. Like there's two ways to looking at looking at that, right? Is that we played well, we won, demolished a, a good team that are probably going to be in the playoffs. We assume at this point, and our quarterback didn't play well, or Lamar Jackson struggled against another good defense, which he often does come the postseason. Yeah. Um. So there's a couple. Well, they're still they're still pretenders, aren't they? The charges are bad against the run. This game, in many ways, was you know it's easy in retrospect, but the game was tailor made for the Baltimore Ravens, even even with their struggles, messed up yeah. backfield. Yeah, but I'm still surprised the charges were so poor on offense. To be honest, I quite like it when you know players get really overhyped, especially quarterbacks. And then they put up a game like this, and it makes you all sort of go, "Yeah, you know, I have to be realistic." Yeah. And I mean, I made a very outlandish statement that I thought that Justin Herbert would be slightly disappointing this season, 
compared to how much people were picking him up, and he had been proving me massively wrong. Um, but this this is the sort of game where it sort of go, yeah, he is still, you know, he is still learning. It's still only a year and a half into his career, and likewise, people went mental over Lamar Jackson's performance against a battered Colts secondary last week. And, it, and, and yeah, this week he went. And to be honest, I didn't even think much of Lamar's performance against a battered secondary Colts secondary last week either. I saw so much hype, and I was just like, really. I'd put I'd, yeah, I'd put two hundred yards against those fucking clowns, and I can only throw the ball. But I can only throw the ball fifteen yards. People are going crazy about it, like in the media stupid, and stuff. Stupid. It's hyperbole. It's all the NFL is one of the worst things for hyperbole. Just they everyone. No one it. ever gives the credit to Car- to Carson Wentz when he's a good game for the yeah, Colts. That's fucking right. That's absolutely right. And talking about that, let's move on to it. Seeing as we're here, um, <laughs> in, in, in the absolutely trashed the Texans, and, and I know, I know, I know, it's only the Texans, right? But we all talk about how bad they are and how we expect them to be shit. But the reality is, they've actually been a lot better than anyone expected. First with um, Tyrod, and then uh, and then and then with Davis Mills, who uh, someone described as the best quarterback. Best quarterback in the AFC South since Andrew Luck, and it's just like Tom. If you're listening, you're an idiot. Um, and to go with the fact that the Texans have been better than the Colts, uh, better than anyone expected. The Colts have been a lot worse than anyone expected. Uh, but Sunday, Wentz and Taylor were excellent. Um, the wide receivers were delivering. Um, certainly early on, Michael Pittman looked like he was going to have an absolute whale of a day, and then in Typical Frank Reich uh, style. He stopped using him for the rest of the game after the first quarter. Um, T.Y. Hilton came back to do do plenty of damage. He had about eight receptions for eight, eight plus yards, which was beautiful. Just missing that touchdown. I even got the fact that he'd, he'd put up almost 100 yards and get injured right. Wish he'd had that touchdown, man. But, you know, he'll be back in time for NRG, and then that's when he'll get the touchdown and get injured again. Um... The defense was the biggest part, the biggest difference uh, for the Colts this this past week. I mean, I've already said that Carson Wentz had a great game, and he did. Some of those long throws were absolute peaches. I mean, he literally couldn't have landed them any better, right in his receivers' hands. Just absolutely perfection. Um, but we had um, we had the defense stepping up with five takeaways, um, a few interceptions, a couple, couple of fumble, fumbles, uh, forced fumbles, and recoveries. Uh, Quitty Pay was denied a brilliant interception with a truly filthy criminal refereeing call. I mean, the, the guy's like falling on his face and still manages to snatch the ball up before it touches the ground, and it it was it was ruled an incomplete pass somehow. Uh, you know, it was, it was a turnover on downs anyway, so whatever. But it's still dreadful. Um, Jonathan Taylor is the second running back in Colts history with ten with a, in, in a game with ten uh, plus yards per carry and two touchdowns in the game, which is good. Uh, and Wentz, is, Wentz has his third straight one hundred plus passer rating game uh, for the first time since two thousand and eighteen. Uh, and between between this streak of three consecutive 100 plus rated uh, rater games and the last stretch, he's had zero. Yeah, I, th- I would say I thought he looked pretty good last week as well. Um, you say the Texans have been tricky, but I don't think anyone necessarily thinks they've got real quality. But the the, the Colts really exposed their 
inabilities this week. And yeah, credit to them. And yeah, Jonathan Taylor, I still think they need to get in the ball more. Like I've I've gone way in on him on fancy. I've got him in like three leagues, and what watching him, like just watching the stats just not go anywhere for the first half is like nerve wracking. But he always get he always comes into his own in the second half. It seems, but yeah, it, I still like to see him use him yeah. a bit more because yeah, he can there be he can be devastating. First quarter where he was four, he was seven attempts for four yards. And it looked like it was going to be another yeah, day, another day of pain. But no, yeah. I think um, what I'll say from this, looking at it, seeing seeing the highlights, it's uh, it looked like what this Colts team, when it was being built in the off season, was designed to do: is uh, run the run the ball by a committee, and then lean on Jonathan Taylor in the second half because he is the best running back. So you, you save him a little bit. Carson Wentz playing well off, uh, off play action. Um, hitting his wide receivers, uh, not knowing which wide receiver he's going to target next. I think he had a, a few different options in, in Pittman and Hilton. And Moali Cox is coming to his own as well as the tight end. Cam Campbell had his Campbell had his first uh, receiving touchdown since uh, game I think week two, 2019, and then again in perfect Campbell style. Went out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> No one cares about Paris Campbell. Moali Cox. Let's hear about oh, more about Moali Cox. He's had Cox. three touchdowns. So he's, he's, he's already he, bettered his last two seasons. Tallies. He's, yeah, he's, he, he's did drop, he did drop one early on, um, which which was very very bad. But he's um, he's looking like a real. If he can carry on, he's still very young. Still a very young lad. He, he could he could be a real real asset to the team. He's it was giant. massive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's 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 one of those players that you put it. It's a bit like D Hop. You know, you put it in his vicinity. He's probably going to catch the ball because he's just a foot taller and his arms are six inches longer than anyone else's. He's a proper proper asset. Yeah, if they can generate some of the intelligence well, you know, from yeah. him. Um, you know, he's a mismatch for anyone. There's no one on defense. Yeah, no. Be able to yeah, the defensive line was back at it. Yeah, it's it's not hard to be back at it against the Texans, but they've got to start somewhere because they've been poor. They've been poor so far this year. Um, Eric Fisher had a had a tough tough day, um, but the line as a whole is, is is slowly slowly sort of pulling itself back into a bit of form. Which you know, when when you when you consider you've still got Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson to return to that line. The fact that they're already playing, starting to play well, is very, very good news, and it showed because because Carson Wentz had the time to do what he needed. It was a, it's probably a classic in the NFL get right game. Like you say, you got some of those injuries on the offensive line that yeah, hasn't been yeah, playing yeah. well. The running game has been there so far. Carson Wentz has been playing well, but he's not sealed the victory yet, mm-hmm. um, really, until today. And I think it's just. Um, it's just interesting because it's, it's important that you get right and you have this game where you can start playing well. DeForest Buckner got him going again, got, got him a sack because he's been poor, I think, the first Two four, sacks. Two sacks and a, and a tackle. He's been poor the first four weeks, so get him going yeah. again. That's good because you've got another couple of games coming up that are basically going to decide your season, I think. Um, 49. 49. And then to, yeah. I think Which, Tennessee yeah, the, as well. That, that, that's, I think that's a winnable game. I think, I think they're both winnable game. games if you're 49ers. playing the way that uh, you, yeah. you played yesterday and the way that they were designed to do, which was, as you say, running mm-hmm. the ball, defense is playing Ben, but don't break defense. And Carson Wentz yeah. is throwing the ball over, all over the yard. So 
winnable game against the Niners, then you've got Tennessee up there, and, and it, again, it's a big, it's big ifs because you need to win these games. But then you're back at four and four, and then you're riding hot into the the week nine um, tough show probably. Yeah. Right. We've we've spe- we've spoken. We've we've that's enough talk about the Colts. Adam Foxcroft will be fuming that we've got to have spoken about him for this long. Um, so we're going to move on to uh, an- another another new segment. You got any other business, mate? This is any other business. Um, is the NV sorry N is the MVP award broken? Um, I really hate, really hate the MVP award and race. It's so wrong that it's basically down to quarterbacks, and the other players just don't get a sniff. Derek Henry and Aaron Donald have been so unbelievably dominant over the last few seasons that you could argue that they're the two best players in the league, regardless of position. Like. They're both just absolute filth. Um, however, they're currently at eighty to one and five hundred to one in the betting, where Josh Allen is nine to two and Patrick Mahomes, who is not having a good season by his standards, is eighteen to one. And the real nail in the coffin of this shambolic award, quite frankly, is that Cam Newton, who doesn't have a team, is at fifty to one. One, there's, there's one bookmaker that has him at a hundred to one. That means he's got f- he's five times more likely to win the award without a team than Aaron Donald is. It's absolute filth. It's absolute garbage. Bin the fucking awards and replace it with something that's actually meaningful. Like you already award players for like you know, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year. Just fucking rename the MVP award quarterback of the year and give us some more awards to give to the actual. There are people that have actually fucking earned them. Fuck's sake. I think it's the the prestige around the award that particularly annoys you, that it's become the creme de la creme of the NFL awards on NFL Honours Night. And the fact that it's... Yeah, and, it, yeah, and it's horseshit. It's a popular... And the fact that it's more based on narrative and storyline than anything else is the part that's really annoying, I think. Um, you just... Just look at last year. Like I've mentioned it here, that Aaron Rodgers had a very, very good year as a quarterback. But I think when we look back on the 2020 season in a few years, we're going to be wondering why the hell didn't Derrick Henry win that award? As good as Rodgers was, um, Henry dragged Tennessee, kicking and screaming to the division title. Tannehill was good. Like I get it. I know Ryan Tannehill was a good quarterback last year, but he wasn't amazing. He didn't lead the team to uh, to the, the postseason to the division title. It was all on Derrick Henry's back. Yeah, two thousand two thousand yard rusher, only one of nine in NFL history. Um, like that, that, only one of nine in NFL history. I think should tell you that you're doing something pretty historic, and that's how good Henry was last year. And 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 it's worthy. It's worthy of a fucking MVP award where Aaron Rodgers playing. He put up his like some of his best numbers. He he's managed throughout his entire career, but he's in a division with three shit teams. Is it any fucking wonder he put up record numbers? Get in the bin. Get in the fucking bin. I think it's the name. Oh, it's shit as well. Yeah. I think the I mean, name is misleading. Started on the way the fucking NFL names things. Fuck me. Because. Quarterback is the most valuable position, so you're already leaning yeah. into the quarterback just with the name. Whereas if it was more player of the year, then it would be a different perspective, and it'd be looking at who has done the best 
in their position. And I know it's, it would be very difficult to compare, you know, an Aaron Donald to yeah. uh, an Aaron Rodgers. Other players not called Aaron are available, of course. But MVP, yeah, I think it just leans itself so much that everyone always talks about quarterbacks being so valuable, almost valuable position. That's why they get paid the most. And I... Uh, and I, and there's I, a little bit of narrative in there actually from the league that, that that's also why, yeah, no, look, why I, get, I, do, I do understand I, I agree with what you're saying I do understand that like the quarterback everything on offense goes through absolutely everything on offense goes through quarterback at some point but in that case you could you, in that case you could say the fucking center's the most important position because if he botches his fucking snap back to the uh, quarterback the quarterback can't do shit anything shit with it either so maybe he should be fucking paid the big bucks and be getting all the fucking awards Bollocks. I think in general they're oh, not very good at the shit they're awards they're, they're shit. or recognising. They're properly shit because the, 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 the Pro Bowl is the same. Like, yeah, I, almost put, uh, I almost put the same thing in. That's exactly where I'm like, going. Um, uh, Buckner didn't make the Pro Bowl last year. Like what the fuck? There was one. There was one. There was one defensive lineman better than him in the league. Wasn't good enough. One. If you look at the stats, there was one defensive lineman better than him in the stats, and it was Aaron Donald. And he didn't make didn't make the the AFC roster. It's fucking horseshit, absolute horseshit. It's a popularity contest in the NFL. Abundance. I agree. I don't I don't think the Pro Bowl should be put on like it should be coming to the consideration and, anymore and, when you're thinking about Hall of Famers and who should go into the Hall of Fame. It should, oh, it should be all about that. the the All Pros no. personally. And even then, sometimes the All Pro voting by the the national writers can be 50-50 yeah. propositions. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because big market teams get a lot more all-pro players yeah. than anybody else. And it's horseshit because, you know, whether, I don't know if there were any all-pro players on the Cowboys last season. They're probably... They're probably yeah, they're probably... Sure so. um, Crap. But, you know, there, there were three or four players last year. I'm going to talk about the Colts, obviously, because I know about the Colts. I don't know about it from any other teams. But there were, there were players, again, that should have been in with a shout of making all-pro that were just overlooked. Not a single, not a single mention of their name at any point. It's just it's shy. So yeah, that's sort of my point. That I, I think in many ways that they don't recognise the best very well. I'm fine with offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie offensive player of the year, rookie defensive player of the year. But outside of that, it's a bit like you're not doing a great job. I also think the Pro Bowl being sort of before the Super Bowl also makes no sense as well because anyone that is any good is usually in the Super Bowl or that you know or they're injured or um it's just pointless. The pro the Pro Bowl should be like week one pre week one pre season. If you have to have one week one pre season that would be more fun. <coughs> that would be much more fun. The the the, sh- the shenanigans around the Pro Bowl with all like the the games and stuff are much more entertaining. No no one's ever gonna allow well. that it sort of gives me sort of soccer football vibes of when players get called up to their country and then they get injured and then the 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 team's angry with the manager for the the national team or whatever it, it never well, it, 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 it just it, never needs it, to happen like last yeah last yeah, no, that's year, the truth they just it. out it. on madden just <laughs> do that because no one gives a shit anyway yeah yeah, yeah. It was on. Uh, it was in the COVID year, of course. So they were like probably a little bit unnecessary to put yeah. or gather uh, thousands of humans into a stadium when it's not particularly necessary. But they're maybe hopefully they're realizing that it's not particularly necessary. Regardless, back to the MVP um, chat. 
instead of the Pro <laughs> Bowl. We can save the Pro Bowl again for next week because I think you guys are very keen to discuss it. Um, no, no, I'm annoyed with it. Fuck it. We've had it's, it's had its day. Fuck it. But I think it's it's not always been the case where they got MVP wrong. I think you could still say that the MVP award itself is maybe uh, mismarketed or maybe just a little bit uh, out of touch. No, I think you yeah. could. It can, it can quite easily go to quarterback, right? But it only goes to quarterbacks. That's the problem. I think it, it does water down the award a little bit when you give it to. You know, like I'm, I remember in the I'm not just because I'm a bitter NFC South fan of the Saints, but you remember the Cam Newton, Matt Ryan Super Bowl, uh, the MVP years. Like, yeah, maybe they were the best quarterbacks of the year, but they were also just on the best teams of that year. Uh, is it because they were the best quarterbacks that year? Probably not. Probably Aaron Rodgers was better that year. Probably Drew Brees was better that year. Um, Big Ben might have been better on a couple of Steelers teams back then. It just so happens that. As we were saying with the Cardinals earlier, everything came right for those Panthers and Falcons teams where the, everything was exploding on, on offense and on, and on defense. Were they really the most valuable part of the, those teams? I don't know. I, I don't but, think so. I think it's just they were just really good teams. They were just the best teams that year that got hot. I mean, I mean, the year that Cam Newton won it, probably make the big, biggest case would be for Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller had a good year that year. I think probably J.G. Wall was even playing well back then. Um, yeah. But maybe I have to do this a little bit more, delve into it a little bit more for those years. But I think there's the two examples that stick out when I look at the MVP winners over the last 20 years that you're like, really, Cam Newton has an MVP and Matt Ryan has an MVP award? Like, they've been rubbish since then. Matt Ice yeah, was quality that Tom year. Brady. Tom Brady. He was so good. It's, it's, uh, and that's a debate for, I think we need to, I would need to go into that season again and really look at the contenders. Because if he was the only option, then he's the only option. If there wasn't a running back who did really well that year, or there wasn't a 20 sack pass rusher that year, um, then fine, fair enough. That was the, sto- but, was the story as much. Yes, that's what, that's what we're, exactly what we were saying earlier. It's the narrative of uh, the Panthers being 15 and 1 and nearly going the whole season undefeated. So you give it yeah. to the best qu- the, the quarterback on that team. Uh, the Falcons being one of the most explosive offenses the NFL has ever seen. So they just, you just give it to the quarterback, rather than. I mean, the, the, the awards should all the awards should happen after the Super Bowl as well. All of them should happen after the Super Bowl because Von Miller. Would you, would you give it to Cam Newton after Von Miller? Von Miller ended his. I think the NFL has a weird thing of separating regular season from postseason. I think that's yeah. another thing. Like I think Tom Brady would actually yeah. be ten thousand yards ahead of everybody else in quarterback passing yards if they included postseason in the passing yards records because oh, really? you don't they just it's only based off regular season stats and then they have separate records for the postseason which i think so fucking which so i think is very pedantic weird, and man. a bit pointless like just count everything it's not just nfl though it's sort of like all american sports yeah yeah i don't know why yeah maybe maybe we're just barking up the wrong tree like we're so used to how like the premier league and and everything's done this uh, over here and the fact that you know like the ballon d'or happens in like the summer, the Bandor's awarded in the summer when it's for the like, previous calendar year. Like, it's, none of it really makes any fucking sense. Does so it? what you're saying is we should just decide every year how it should be run. <laughs> and just yeah. stick with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on I'll get, I'll get on to Roger and be like, oi, take your tongue out of Tom Brady's <laughs> arse. Let us, let us decide. I think you like Tom. Well, I think I think it's I think he's trying to make it up to Tom, given all the all the nonsense he's put him through over the last uh, decade or so. I don't know. He's, Tom, Tom's a <laughs> bitch boy. Fucking, I just hate them both. <laughs> I just lump them together. Um, 
right, let's let's wrap it up. We've run a little bit longer than than uh, we were intending, but it's fine. Uh, we've run a hell of a lot longer. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, give us a like, a subscribe, uh, listen. We've also got the uh, our predictions show over here on YouTube. Um, get yourself over to YouTube and and uh, on Thursday morning when that show drops because that's going to be fun. Uh, probably not for me. Um, if you uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, why not, um, lads? Thank you for uh, helping me dissect this week's football. And as always, thank you all for listening. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>